0: Hey, everyone, this is T-Roll, the host of the Campus Outreach Podcast. We're taking a break from our normal podcasts over the summer, and instead, we'll be posting audio versions of various talks that were given at our Beach Project from earlier this summer. If you are interested in viewing the video form of the following message, please go to cobirmingham.org forward slash campus talks to find all of our talks from this year's Beach Project. Thanks so much and enjoy today's talk. Guys, this morning we're going to be looking at we're going to be looking at this topic. Okay, why share our faith? Why should we share our faith? And so I'm just going to jump right into it. All right. So basically, here's where we're going. I wanted to give you all the points on the front end, and then we'll pray. So we should share our faith, or we should do evangelism. That's that's another way to say it. One because we're commanded to. All right. One because we're commanded to. Two because there's a crisis, and that makes sharing our faith really hard. And then three, because Christ's compassion motivates us to share our faith. Y'all got it? All right. I worked so hard on that alliteration, right? No. So the three points. We're commanded to share. There's a crisis that makes it hard. Um, and, and the compassion of Christ compels us and motivates us. So that's that's where we're going. Let me pray. God, I, I really do just pray that you would be with us this morning. God, that you would, that you would help us to, to gain a conviction and Just to share our faith and and to to be drawn in by that and be drawn in by you, Lord. In the name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so so again, first we're commanded to share our faith. All right? when 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 we're talking about sharing our faith, what I mean really simply is explaining the message of Christ and asking a non Christian to respond. Okay? Now, how to share the gospel and helping somebody, you know get to that point and understand it and building up all that trust, um, that may, that may involve a lot of different things, but we, we got to share our faith because Jesus commanded us to, because Jesus commands us to. Evangelism is not just a good idea. I'm, I'm not just up here making a suggestion to you. This is not just the thing that's reserved for like the super Christians. Okay. This is something that Christ calls all Christians to do, that Jesus commands us to do in the famous verse. Y'all know it, right? The, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. It's, it's up here, I believe. But he, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And then there's this other verse in Romans 10, 14. It says, how are they to heal without somebody preaching or telling them, right? So we're commanded to share the gospel. And so that means just living a good decent, moral life, and hoping that somebody sees Jesus, that's good, but that's not what it means to to share the gospel, to share your faith. And just inviting somebody with you to come to church or to come to a campus outreach meeting or something like that, that's good, but that's not what it means to share your faith. It can't be the extent of your evangelism. So Jesus commands us to share our faith, but in my personal opinion, or in in my personal experience, as with everything up here, guys, like if I don't have the why for, for these things in the Christian life that we're talking about, I'm just not going to be all that excited about it, right? Is anybody with me on that? Like, If, if we don't have the, the why behind sharing our faith, then it's going to be hard to do it. So we need a compelling reason if we're going to be people who share the gospel, not just now, but back in our campuses and even more you know, for the rest of our lives. Without the why, evangelism is just going to be that thing that we know we're supposed to do and we're just gonna feel real guilty when we don't do it, right? So why should we share our faith? We should share our faith because Jesus commanded us to. And we should share our faith because there is a crisis going on and this, this crisis, it makes sharing our faith hard. And this, this crisis, this, this big problem is going on in the church, in our culture, and in our world. So if you're taking notes, the church, our culture, and in the world. First, there's a crisis in the church today. Did y'all know there's a study um, that that found that 51% of the people, so like just over half of the people that go to church today, if they were asked the question, what is the Great Commission? What is that verse that we just looked at? Did you know that 51% of them would say, I don't know? Half of the people in the church today, they they don't have any idea what the Great Commission even means. So if they would have seen that verse, Matthew 28, what we just said, they wouldn't, they wouldn't know what it was about and they wouldn't even know where to find it in the Bible. Y'all following? Y'all following me? That's pretty wild, right? That, that's hard for us to imagine like in this context where we're talking about stuff all the time. I don't know why that is, but it may mean that, that churches aren't talking about sharing their faith. It may, it may mean that we're not talking about sharing the gospel enough, or that evangelism isn't much of a priority. And that's a crisis in the church. And did you know there's another study that found that, that half of the millennials, so half of the people uh, 23 to 38, the, the guy in the, uh, in the morning show was not a millennial, even though he thought he was, the old guy, if y'all remember. I watched it last night again because it was so funny. But anyways, it doesn't matter. You don't have to know. People, people my age around 23 to 38, about half of those people Who claim to be Christians would say, would straight up say that evangelism is just wrong. Like there's a study that shows that. That evangelism is wrong. That it's frowned upon. That Christians really shouldn't share their faith. Why is that? Many many people think that faith should be private, right? Your faith should be your own. Don't don't share, you don't share with anyone what you believe and why you believe. There's a lot of people who would say that. And definitely don't suggest to anybody that they got to repent and believe in Jesus as the only way to get to heaven. There's, this, is a, this is a common thought. You know, maybe it would be like, what are you, some kind of bigot? That would be their thought. We, we wouldn't say bigot maybe, but that, that would be the, the things that are around this, you know, this statistic here. And so no, no raise of hands or anything, but how many of y'all have, have heard this or even thought this for yourself, you know, when it comes to sharing your faith, I don't want to be judgmental, you know, I don't want to tell somebody that they're wrong um, or that they're not a Christian or something like that. And at some level, guys, that, that's not a bad thought. You know, none of us are God. We, we, don't, we don't know for sure where people stand before him. There's, there's something right about that. But it's a crisis when it leads many young people in the church today to the conclusion that evangelism is wrong, even though Jesus commands us to do it. Again, some of this kind of makes sense to me, though, right? Like, like who here has seen evangelism done just bad in the past or poorly? Maybe you, you've seen it or heard it. Yeah, you can raise your hand. Um, all right, where where are my Alabama people like? Not just the school, but from Alabama, lived in Alabama. You can raise your hand. So it's a lot of us, right? We got some Georgia, we got some Mississippi, maybe some other places as well. Um, but I got an example for you guys of just some bad evangelism, alright? Um who recognizes the sign on the road here that, that's showing Who recognizes this? Yes. I 65, right? I mean every time I go to Troy or from Birmingham to Troy or back. I'm passing this thing, right? The cartoon devil, go to church or the devil will get you, right? And we can agree, guys, this, this isn't a good evangelism strategy, right? This isn't the best way to, to share Jesus. And, guys, I'll be the first to say that I've messed up, too, in, in evangelism. Like, I, I could tell you tons of stories of just messing it up and being, you know, we can do that later, if you ask me. Um, but to say that evangelism is wrong... That's a major problem, and that's facing you guys as Christians today, that's facing us as Christians today, that there would be people that would say that it's wrong. Also, there's a crisis in our culture, so not just in the church, but in our, in our culture. I mean, how do we as Christians share our faith in a cancel culture, right? You say the word, that's a, that's a triggering word, right? Oh man, cancel culture. How do we talk about Jesus in a loving and an effective way in an environment where truth is just kind of relative and nobody wants to hear it, right? In a culture that believes you do you, I'll do me, and if I don't like what you have to say, then you're, then you're canceled. And this makes evangelism hard. I mean, even where I live in Troy, like pretty small public school, we've established that in the, in the middle of the Bible Belt in, in Alabama. But even for us in Troy, I've seen this cancel culture thing like play out and be a real thing. I've seen the call-outs on our Troy Students Facebook page, right? Hey, do, do any of you guys have like this, just this Facebook open group where basically you can say whatever the heck you want? Like that all the students are in? No, just us because we have nothing better to do? All right, I guess I thought this point was going to hit a little more um, on the cancel culture stuff, but all right, well, we, got, we got one of these groups. Every, like all these students are in, you can just roast whoever you want, right? If somebody looks at you funny, you post it on here, and that's how it goes. I mean, literally, maybe this is stupid, but Margaret was telling me about this. I, this is like a true thing. Somebody like poured coke on on a person's car in Troy, just like a little like a little prank. I really don't know all the details, right? But you you would have thought that like the world was ending. Like there was a 5-day investigation, like police like who poured the coke. Yo, no, th- this is this is crazy. It's so it's so dumb. But this is the environment that we're that we're in. Like, who 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 gets a little bit scared thinking that, I man, they maybe could say something to somebody in the wrong way, and and they could get canceled for for how they offended somebody by sharing their faith. Y'all feel any of that? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Um, I feel a little anxious about it. A little a little hopeless at times. But the crisis it gets worse, guys. And I know some people like just throw that word around to. To just make a point, right? They like crisis, a big deal. But but I mean it because of what we're about to talk about right now. Because it doesn't just involve our churches. It doesn't just involve our culture. This is something that involves the whole world. You know, more on the world in some future meetings for sure. But did y'all know that there are currently just shy of eight billion people in the world today? If did you know that only two billion of those would claim to be Christians? That's one of one in four would even just claim to be Christians, those numbers are hard to even imagine, right? And check this, this this is heavy as well, but there's something close to 70,000 non-Christians die in the world every day. 70,000, that's overwhelming, right? Even more, in in, in the last 10 seconds, it's estimated that 20 people have died in the world today. In the last 10 seconds. And, and it's likely that many if the stats are anywhere close to right then maybe even most just entered a crisis eternity how do we even how do we even wrap our minds around that this is a crisis man. i just to get the feel of 10 seconds just to yourself count in your head to 10 just do it everybody i'll count up, i'll count up here 10 seconds, potentially 20 people just died and, and a lot of them just entered a crisis eternity. I bet if we really thought about that, we would be moved to tears. Why am I not, you know? Why are we not? Guys, this is not some game. This is, this is there is a crisis in the world today and who is talking about it? Who is trying to do anything about it? We gotta, we gotta talk about it this morning. This isn't just like a good training to have at a beach project. This, this, is, this is real. This is a crisis. There's so much at stake, and these things make the, the, the realities of evangelism hard, okay? Why should we share our faith? I'm gonna say it in a new way, all right? If you're tired of hearing me saying it, why should you share your faith? That hits a little different, right? Why should you own this, this sharing your faith, this evangelism thing, One, it's because Jesus commands us. And then our conviction to do it gets built when we consider the crisis going on that makes it so challenging. And what else makes evangelism hard? We're gonna just run through some of these these thoughts that I had, just a couple thoughts. It's hard also because because we are blocked by fear. Our fear blocks us. It keeps us from sharing the gospel, right? We're anxious. We don't wanna get rejected by other people. I mean, we're afraid to be labeled as that Jesus freak or we're afraid to get canceled like we already said. And these things make evangelism hard. But it doesn't mean that we should be passive, right? Sometimes fear keeps us from sharing our faith because we don't want to mess it up. What if I say the wrong thing? What if they ask me a question that I don't have the answer to, right? What if they feel judged by me? Many of us feel unequipped for how to share our faith in a loving and effective way. And there's going to be more on that to come. So y'all y'all get ready for some of the how. But guys, I've been shut down by some of these fears too. I've been blocked by these fears too. And secondly, sharing our faith is hard because we are busy. We are busy. Right? We struggle to share our faith because we're just too busy in life. Maybe even some of us might be addicted to hurt, addicted to busy. The more on our schedules... The more productive we feel and the better people we must be, something like that. And we think, we think that we'll have time to get to the big things, like sharing our faith later. But later never comes. Later never comes. We are so distracted, guys, myself included on this. The grind, right? You got school. You got work. You got the side hustles, the fraternities, the sororities, you know, intramurals. And none of these are bad things. But do we enter these spaces from a place of our lives being centered on knowing God, becoming like him and making him known? Or do we just kind of live at a default, like just go wherever the wind, wherever the wind takes us? And if we're doing that, we will will never be men and women of God who are about sharing our faith if we just live by this default. And I know for me sharing my faith is hard because it's also really easy just to get busy with Christian things too. It's so easy for us to think as young Christians or as new Christians that spiritual activity equals spiritual growth. That's what we think. Spiritual activity equals spiritual growth. To think that the best way to grow in my faith is to just get like overly involved with churchy things. And so we got Bible study on Monday. And we got small group on Tuesday. And we go to campus outreach from time to time. And don't forget about church. And don't forget I can't miss that worship night on Thursday. And we fill our schedule with stuff that only puts us around other Christians. And if that's the case, then we're, we're too busy to spend the time that it takes to build genuine friendships with, and relationships with the lost. To form genuine friendships with those who may not know Christ in the spaces that we're already in and the activities that we're already a part of. Spiritual activity does not equal spiritual growth. Don't, don't be a busy Christian. Be an intentional Christian with your time, with your schedule, with your life. Does that make sense? Be thoughtful. Be, be purposeful. Be strategic. Don't live your life in, this, in a safe, holy huddle with other Christians. Like, and here's how you can, you can you know, answer this for yourself to as a qualifier like to help you identify do you ever say no to good things like the bible studies and like the worship nights and small groups good things Do you ever say no to good things in order to say yes to the best things like sharing your faith like sitting with jesus personally so sharing his faith our faith is hard because we're blocked by fear we are busy and it's hard because we believe that god has a plan b what I mean is we think that hey, if I don't share other Christians sure 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 they will. If I don't share other other Christians will. Do you all realize that Jesus doesn't have a plan B? I want you to think about it. Like the message has always been the same. Jesus, the gospel. And the method to get that message out to people, it's always been the same too. From the beginning it's been God's people. His people. He's chosen ordinary people from the beginning. To share the gospel And it's the same today I want you to think to yourself Is it possible that there are people in my life Where I might be the only Christian that they know Or at least the main Christian That they would trust enough To actually go there with them spiritually Man And what happens if I don't share with them Don't buy into the lie guys That that if you don't do it somebody else will God doesn't have a plan B So there's a crisis going on in our church, in our culture, in the world that makes evangelism a challenge. And, and again, to add to it, we're, it's hard because we're blocked by fear. We're busy. We think that God has a plan B. And it's hard because we are blind. We are blind and unable to see people the way God sees people. Y'all zone in on this one if you, if you have fallen asleep. This is a big one, all right? Y'all read this quote with me by, by C.S. Lewis. I mean, write this down. Take a picture of it. I'm going to read it. This is what he says. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal and their life is to ours as the life of an app, meaning they're just there. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. So glance back over that to yourself. What what C.S. Lewis is saying here, there's only two types of people, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. There's only two spiritual realities, guys, heaven or hell. Those who know Christ and those who don't. Those who are alive and those who are dead. We can't be blind. God has got to give us his spiritual eyes. Can we begin to understand and to feel and to be burdened by the implications of this quote in a healthy way? Like, let's just get, let me, I'm just going to get real for a minute as we're kind of wrapping it up here. And I know because I've been there, we're so, we so badly want there to be an exception to these two realities, right? We so badly want there to be a middle ground. Like, man, they were so kind. I know they don't know Christ, but, but surely they'll get to heaven. And there's, there's no exceptions, the people that you're around every day, the people that you know and love deeply, the people on the other side of the world that you've never even met, they're not just average people, guys. There's no such thing as just an average person. Because this life is not all there is. And because, because of that, you and I, we've never talked to a mere mortal. That's what he's saying here. Have you ever considered that? That, that nobody is just ordinary because we all have a soul. When you pass a stranger on the road, you're passing a stranger with a soul. When you joke with a buddy in, in the calf at your school, you, you're, you're joking with a friend who has a soul. And they either know Jesus and they'll spend an eternity in heaven or they don't and they won't. And, and it's hard. It's, it's, this is harsh. It's so crazy for me to wrap my, my mind around this. Like how often do I just see and interact with people blindly and without these eternal eyes, without God's eyes? Without being curious, is this person happy? Does this person have a purpose bigger than themselves? Or where will they spend their eternity? If we saw people the way that God sees people instead of just being often being blind, what might that stir up in us? How might that change our day-to-day interactions? How might that motivate us to share our faith even when evangelism is hard? Because Jesus is worth sharing. Others need to know and, and experience Jesus and the hope, the hope that he brings as the, as the answer to the crisis. And only he, only he, guys, can truly compel us to share with others. That, with others, Only he can truly compel us and he does that with his compassion. So that's where we're gonna, we're gonna wrap this thing up. Christ's compassion compels us to share our faith. All right, his compassion. Write that down, write that word down, Compassion. What did the compassion that Jesus had for other people look like? So you guys can turn to Matthew 9, 35 through 38. It's gonna be up here. Matthew nine, thirty-five through thirty-eight, here we go. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, the labors are few, so pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. How does Jesus experience the crowds in these verses? Harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Let me tell y'all about just the day in the life of a shepherd. I don't know why I know this, Margaret told me it once. We talk about these things before bed, like what are sheep like, what are shepherd like. So let me tell you about the life of a shepherd real quick, all right? The shepherd gets up before the sun to tend to his flock. He knows them all individually by name, right? And what is, how does he do that? First, he runs his hands through their wool. You know, got to do it one at a time. He's checking for wounds. He's checking for bugs. And next, he's got to put this ointment around all of their eyes individually to keep the flies out, to keep the gnats away. And any time their wool gets too heavy for them to walk, right, he's got to shear them. It is a never-ending job for the shepherd to care for his sheep. Y'all see that? That's the point I'm trying to say. And if the sheep ever wanders out on their own, they would get harassed by all kinds of predators because they are helpless to protect themselves. Sheep aren't just doing okay. Yeah, there's my image of the sheep. I was hoping would get up there. Sheep sheep aren't just doing okay on their own. They're harassed. They're helpless. And the Bible says that we are all like these sheep. That's what we are. In desperate need. In desperate need of a good shepherd. And Jesus was motivated by compassion to be that good shepherd. What is this compassion that he had all about? I want to just give y'all a couple. Jot these down. Here's a couple other spots in in the New Testament where this word compassion comes up in Jesus' ministry, all right? I'm not really gonna go through them, but it's Matthew 14, 14, compassion. He healed their sick. Matthew 15, 13, he had compassions on the crowd because they had nothing to eat. And then later on, Luke 7, 13 as well. It's the same word in all these verses. This compassion was something that came over Jesus from time time to time, almost like a wave of intensity. (laughs) Y'all tracking with me? This was his his compassion. And it meant the deepest feeling of love and pity originating in the bowels. Y'all catch that? So when Jesus saw the crowds in Matthew 9, like we're talking about, he felt compassion for them, and it started in his bowels. It started in his guts. And this is true because Jesus isn't just somebody who loves deeper than anybody has ever loved. He is love. He is love. There's a couple quotes from a guy. It says, if you cut him open, he would ooze out love. That one's a little silly. I like it, though. I'm I'm pretty silly. Second, he says, merciful affections stream from his innermost heart. Compassion. These are pictures for us of his compassion. And until you guys get, until we get that that's what awakens in Jesus when he sees you, when he sees you, you'll never share your faith from the right motivation but the compassion of Christ can compel you to share your faith because Jesus sees you for who you really are, not the facades we're projecting, not who we wish that we were, but an eternal soul in in need of saving and his heart skips a beat and his his stomach churns for us to know it. That's what this compassion means. And this compassion will compel you to share your faith. man. If, if we want to share our faith, we need to be filled with it. So, just to wrap it up, I want, you, I want us to look at Romans 9, 1 through 3. Y'all hanging with me? We're, this oh, yeah. is it. Oh, yeah. Romans 9, 1 through 3. Listen to Paul. This is a guy who became an apostle, leader in the early church. He came to Christ probably sometime in his 30s, wrote a lot of the New Testament. we talked about him some. Listen to him talk about the compassion that he has for the lost. Verse 1 I am speaking the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great <laughs> sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. What is he dating about? What is, when, he, when he's praying for his people, his, his kinsmen, says he has great sorrow and unceasing anguish. That sounds a lot like the compassion that Jesus had for the crowds, right? Paul cared so deeply for his friends that were, that were not Christians that he said, I wish that I were cursed and cut off for their sake. Another way he could have said that would, I mean, he's saying, I'll give up my salvation if that means that they can be saved. That's incredible. I, I don't have the guts to say that. What a, I don't have the guts to say that. What's my point? Paul understood that there is no greater crisis in in the world today than the lostness of the souls of those who don't know Christ. And compassion compelled him to share Jesus with other people, even though I'm sure it was hard. I mean, I I know it was hard. This This guy was killed for his faith, more than likely. He was in prison for it. What about you? Have you ever been moved in your heart at at any level for the lostness of another person. I ain't even talking about like compassion from your guts or unceasing anguish. I'm just saying, how about the lostness of a stranger? Does that do anything in you? One of your fraternity brothers or teammates, one of your friends, God, one of your people in your family. I want this compassion to drive me to share Christ with others to be bigger than the fear that blocks me, to be more compelling than the busyness that I fill my life with, to move me to be, to not be passive to think that God's got somebody else. He's got a plan B for getting Jesus to the people that I'm connected to who, who may or may not know Christ. And I wanted to melt my heart and, and heal, man, just the blindness that causes me not to see people as, as these weighty, eternal significant souls that they really are and I want that for you I want that for all of you too so, so I'm closing with this just Romans 9 we just read it Paul goes as far as to say that I wish that I were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers is he talking about sacrificing himself for his people here yeah he is What what, what, what is he talking about what would that even do Paul knows that wouldn't do anything for them. How could that save their souls? You know, he's just, he's trying to express his compassion. He knows that that couldn't save the souls. That's the thing, it couldn't. But Paul, Paul so Paul's efforts in evangelism wouldn't have been able to take care of their greatest problem. That's what I'm saying. The crisis that, that says that they're separated from God. And guess what? Neither can yours. Your best efforts in evangelism aren't big enough to save anybody. Not even close. So why would we feel some kind of unhealthy pressure to do it? But you know what? Man, who was cursed? Who was cut off for the sake of his people's sins? Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. As it's written, cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree. Christ was cursed and cut off from God And only this was big enough to deal with the wrath of God for the sins of the whole world. And Jesus did that for you. And he did that for me. And all we're called to do is fumble forward and just get people in front of Jesus. Let him take care of the rest. Has the compassion of Christ for you, has that changed you from the inside out? If it has, then Christ commands you to share your faith. And yeah, there's a massive crisis, and sharing our faith is going to be hard. But his compassion that that ultimately led him to the cross will compel you to offer others a chance to enter into that compassion as well. So let me pray. We're wrapping it up.